Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hello, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm your host. I'm a retail transformation specialist, a consultant and advisor working with retailers to help drive effective transformation forwards. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This one is episode 265, number 265. And in today's episode, I'm really excited to dive into unified commerce and some of the challenges that realistically stand in the way of our goals and our visions. And I'm delighted to be joined not by one, but two expert guests today. On the show, Bala Parmeshwaran is a partner at Bain and Company. He's a member of Bain's technology and analytics and retail practices and an expert on large digital transformation programs across industries. He's particularly well-versed in omnichannel digital commerce and marketing platforms, microservices and cloud-native architecture, IT strategy, as well as agile and product management. Previously, he's held senior technology roles at Sapient, Razorfish and Infosys. And alongside Bala, I'm delighted to be rejoined by Nikki Baird. She's VP of Strategy at Aptos. And Nikki was on the Retail Transformation Show back in episode 199. Nikki's role is to accelerate retailers' ability to innovate. She's a top global retail influencer, a regular contributor to Forbes, and frequently quoted as a retail subject matter expert in a whole host of different media outlets. Find out more about Bala and Nikki on the show notes page at obandco.uk slash 265. And I do encourage you to head over to those show notes because there are a couple of things that you might want to check out. Firstly, we're going to be talking about a unified commerce report that has a ton of insight in for you to enjoy. So do go and grab that from the show notes now but also sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing. This is my weekly email newsletter packed full with the latest headlines from around the world of retail transformation. New innovations, new ideas, new insight, and a ton of inspiration to help you to transform better. So sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing for free over at obandco.uk slash 265. So without further ado, Let's jump into this episode with Nikki Baird and Bala Parmeshwaran. Enjoy listening. Well, an incredibly warm welcome to two expert guests today on the show. I'm joined by Bala Parmeshwaran and delighted to welcome Nikki Baird back to the show. Bala, Nikki, welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Now we are diving into one of the really, really super hot topics of retail right now. That is unified commerce. And this is almost the evolution of omnichannel. And I think, you know, we've been talking about channels, in particular digital channels, 
and physical channels for, for a long time. And we know that when we get the channels to work effectively, it delivers for the business. It delivers for customers and for the bottom line. Bala, I'll come to you first. What aspect is it of creating this seamless shopping experience that really leverages the, the performance upgrade? You know, Oliver, I'm, I'm glad that you started with this point because, you know, our customers kind of expect this every day from our brands, whether we know it or not, right? You know, questions like, why can't I apply this coupon in the stores? How, why <laughs> you can't tell me that your website has, you know, the inventory details of the bike that I want to buy for my teenagers, right? These are all common questions and common frustrations because customers really don't differentiate between, you know, the browser that they open and type www, or rather walking into the actual store. For them, the brand is the brand is the brand, right? And yep. they, they expect all this to work together. And then we've come up with a phrase for it. We call it unified commerce, right? And we kind of expect this all to work in, in a unified fashion, right? But, you know, being around the block, we all know that this is easier said than done because... Inside the company, this would mean multiple teams working together, multiple platforms working together, people working in different priorities should come together. All this is like time consuming and complicated. But we know, you know, from our research and from working with customers that there are some common themes and common things to leverage to drive the performance here, right? Which is, you know, do you know me really well as a customer when I walk into these different channels? Uh, can you tell me? about your inventory availability? Can you tell me about promotions and deals that I can that I can leverage? Can I redeem and earn loyalty points, et cetera? Like these are all common patterns that we see that we should leverage. Now, Nikki, you, you've mm -hmm. seen this play out every day. Like where else do you think that brands should kind of focus to leverage uh, from this unified commerce? Yeah, I think there's there's a couple parts to it. There's definitely, I think, a more deeper nuance nowadays too, right? Uh, you touched on a couple of them. Like, I want to be able to use my loyalty points. You know, I I want to be able to buy something in the store and have something else shipped to my home and still apply a buy one get one promo, right? Like all of those kinds of things. I think we're we're in a new level of detail around how like what consumers really expect. What do you mean I can't buy online and return in the store or do an uneven exchange in the store, like have something in my hand and buy it while I'm returning something that I bought online and get the credit. And, and those things are incredibly complicated and difficult for retailers to implement. And a lot of it has to do with the, I mean, a lot of the systems that they're running today are still oriented and designed for a single channel world, like my point of sale <laughs> solves my store problems and my order management or e-commerce site solves my digital problems and never shall the two <laughs> speak to each other, unfortunately. Uh, so it's definitely a place where it's not just like a recognition. I think everybody has recognized for a long time that having solutions that are designed for single channels is not where we want to be, but as we're developing these deeper nuances in terms of what consumers expect, I think it's also challenging to figure out, well, how, how do you deliver that? What of point of sale do you take? What of OMS do you take? What of inventory management do you take? And those, those answers are still not easy or straightforward. Yeah. It's really interesting because as you're, as you're describing those challenges and opportunities, it made me, made me wonder is unified commerce now more about 
meeting the customer expectations or is it more about exciting customers? Is it table stakes, i.e. you've got to do this bare minimum or is it actually an opportunity to grow the business? Where, where's your head at on this? My perspective is it's both. I mean, it's both an opportunity and a challenge. It, you know, I think everybody recognizes that it's going to be table stakes, um, yep. but I don't think we're quite there yet. You still definitely have opportunities to differentiate in terms of um, how you can delight customers and kind of win their loyalty. I, I do think there's still lots of opportunity to differentiate there. Oliver, I believe it's a matter of who do you ask, right? I mean, if you go okay. ask, <laughs> you go ask customers, Fair. they're going to say, of course, what do you mean? It, uh, I, yeah, it's table stakes. Absolutely, right? yeah. And they're going to show examples of great brands who do this very well, right? We all know their names. And if you go to the organizations and ask the business leaders, they're going to be like, yeah, absolutely. Like we should be, we should be doing this. If you go ask the technology leaders, they'll be like, absolutely. You know, this is, we see the growth, we see the potential, we should be doing it. I think we are in a situation where it's not the lack of, you know, interest or the lack of want from both the customers and the internal brand teams that's, that's yeah. making this challenging. I think there are a lot of internal forces, both technology, data, operating model, ways of working that kind of makes this difficult. But, you know, having spoken to clients, I know they want it. I know they want to provide these these kind of capabilities to their customers. I would just add, I think it's a, it's a layer added on top. I think that's part of the challenge is that, right, like a store operations group still has to operate stores. There's still, you know, a profitability element to operating stores efficiently and making sure that you're driving the revenue that the business needs and supply chain, right? You still got to get product from a vendor or from a manufacturer into a store or into your distribution center, or even better, think about it in terms of getting it all the way into your customer's hands. But there's this layer that comes on top of it that says, okay, but now from a supply chain perspective, how do I leverage stores for their inventory when that used to be my destination or endpoint? Or how do stores you know, leverage the wider accessibility of inventory across the chain to be able to deliver something into a customer's hands and and having that layer that you have to think about on top of, I still also have to make this store profitable and run well. I think that's where the disconnect happens a lot these days. Yeah, no, most most definitely. And I think we'll, we'll dive back into that a little later on. Now, I know Bain and Aptos have been working together on a unified commerce report what are some of the findings from this latest research? What interests you most or what has surprised you perhaps most? Bala, I'll come to you first. No, personally, I'm very excited about this report. I think the teams have done a fantastic job in you know, speaking to close to 500 leaders across US, Canada and UK, right? I mean, and we've spoken to apparel stores, home furnishings, electronics, luxury brands, and many other segments. So we've got a really good understanding of a wide variety of retail segments across three very important geographies, right? Some of the key things that stand out, and and personally, I wouldn't call anything here surprising. It's rather reinforcing to me that we see, you know, these themes come out. Number one is, like I said, every retailer understands and agrees that unified commerce is a very important priority for the business. 
you know, more than three-fourths say this is phenomenally important for them. And that's not surprising, right? Yep. I guess it's more reinforcing. But one thing we wanted to double-click on to find out is like, fine, unified commerce is like the next generation evolution of omni-channel. What are some of the benefits? Like, do, do retailers understand the benefits? And we found that there are both financial benefits and non-financial benefits to it. You know, it's not just, you know, dollars and cents, but it is also customer experience, NPS score, so on and so forth. There are benefits across the board here. And it is very clear that retailers believe that the physical store is going to continue to play a really important role here. You know, we are seeing digital-only brands opening physical stores. We are seeing physical-only stores opening digital fronts, right? So there's this 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 mishmash of both digital and physical is happening and retailers believe in it, that that's going to be, that's going to stay forever, right? Yeah. But, you know, when you turn around and kind of ask them, great, you know, this all sounds great. You're all excited. Are you ready? And they're like, oh, no, we are not. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> right? So 45% believe that, they have the necessary capabilities to do it. And even that, not completely, right? So a majority of them feel that they're not there yet. They're not ready. And and when you kind of go ask them, you know, why? Why is that? Because, yes, it is a next evolution of it, but it is not a completely new concept. We've been, we've been with this concept for a while now. Yes. Some of the key themes that keep coming up, like, you know, driving organizational consensus is a challenge. 80% of our, our respondents feel that that is a bigger obstacle, right? And we'll dig more uh, on this as we go through. But, you know, for me, if I like take a step back and look at it, the one thing that I'm really excited is for the customers, because I think we are now at a point where, you know, there was this wave of omni-channel, then COVID hit, which led to this digital growth. Now, cust- uh, you know, retailers are feeling that they really need to hone their technology and data skills to provide this unified commerce experience to their customers, which means there's going to be a lot of exciting updates and new uh, capabilities that our customers are going to see, which I'm mm-hmm. super, super excited about. Yeah, no, absolutely. Nick, Nikki, what are your thoughts? What are your key takeaways from the report? Yeah, I, I agree that there was not a lot that was surprising, definitely more confirmation of things that we expected out there. And that's 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 a good thing, right? At this stage, yeah, I don't want to be surprised. <laughs> it's like, whoa, we've completely, <laughs> totally. we're completely as an industry, we've missed the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would that would definitely be bad. But I I do think it was very interesting. It was it was a total laundry list of benefits that they expect to achieve through unified commerce. And and as Bala pointed out, there was a breadth to it, right? It wasn't all financial. There was there was employee benefits in there, customer benefits. And things that were more qualitative as opposed to directly quantitative. So that part was good, but it was also a little daunting. I mean, it was it was such a big list that it was like motherhood and apple pie. You know, what kind of expectations are we building internally in these companies to what unified commerce can do for them? And I think that piece is important to keep kind of an awareness of or kind of watch out for. Just you know, it it it's it doesn't solve world peace. (laughs) It doesn't solve world hunger. But because we do have all of these expectations now, I think there's a couple things that we need to watch out for too, which is that one most important one is just validating 
What do you think that unified commerce means to you? And I think when we get into some of those investment priorities and where they are putting an emphasis, it did feel a little bit like they're kind of sending the money after the easy stuff and not focusing where they really need to, where it's hard. And and the difference is that they still kind of over-prioritize investments in digital and e-commerce and are still kind of catching up in terms of the investment in store. And I do think some of it is a lot of what Bala said around, you know, during the pandemic, the stores had to close. How much were consumers really going to come back? We've held off on a lot of investment and, you know, the supply chain issues around technology have made it difficult to catch up in stores. So there's a whole bunch of reasons why stores have lagged. But I think one critical part to realize about uh, unified commerce is that stores don't move at the same speed as online. You make one change online, you reach every customer who goes to your website. You make one change in a store, you've only reached the customers that go to that store. You still got to roll that out across your entire chain in order for that to really be effective. It takes a lot longer and it requires just a lot more, not even investment necessarily, but like mind share of managers. And I think that's part of where, where retailers really need to be cautious or attentive. And I think where we start to see some of those gaps between what we expect unified commerce to do for us versus what we're actually getting today. Mm. I think it's a really good point, particularly about the ease of deployment to online customers. You know, it, it makes it therefore easier to prove a, a potential ROI in terms of I can proverbially double click to install and everyone gets it rather than having to go through a massive deployment phase, training phase, etc. I also, I, I'm just picking up on the point, you know, having that long list of what what you could do with unified commerce as well. You know, Bala, to your point about the aspirations as well, it's fantastic that there is so much opportunity. And I think we're at a stage now, you know, bigger than, bigger than unified commerce. So we're at a stage where technology is so advanced it's now i believe our own creativity is humankind that is limiting us rather than the technology more and more so but with so many different opportunities on the table and trying to deploy to stores to online to everything you know there are so many different challenges where where are retailers getting stuck up the most because you know the stats you mentioned earlier bala they're quite uh, scary in a way in terms of we've got all these sort of wishes and dreams but we can't really deliver on them how do we fix this i suppose is my ultimate question Bala, should i come to you first sure yeah I'll, I'll go first the survey that we that we ran pointed us in gave us a bunch of themes as to where retailers are going wrong but let me try to distill this for you right the first thing is if you look at unified commerce, we're looking at digital channels, physical channels, and there are, and if you look at any kind of organizational structure, there are a lot of leadership roles that kind of manage and control these physical channels and digital channels. And you're you're looking at people like the roles of CEOs, CDOs, COOs, head of e-commerce, CFOs involved, CIOs involved, CTOs are involved. So there is a lot of you know, leadership roles in there, which means that you need to get the right set of alignment to make sure that all these leadership roles kind of work towards in the same direction. And that can be challenging, right? I mean, we, we know that. If it's three we, people, we need to be unified. 
we need to be unified to that. <laughs> well said, Oliver. You know, so I, I think that is a that is a very important challenge, and and I think you know organizations are realizing this that you know that kind of a unified vision and direction is very important for us. But when you kind of double click that and see like why is that, you very quickly understand that there is a a gap in the in the depth of understanding between what are typically the business roles and the technology roles. And by that, what I mean is, you know, I don't think retailers are doing a really good job in kind of communicating the ROI and what does these investments in technology really get me? Because while the technology team is really focused on, and rightly so, in building the right technology foundations and underpinnings and customer experience, the business, on the other hand, rightly so, is is, is thinking about okay fine you know what is that going to get me and my customers and and i think there is a there is a there is a gap in the way that these is being communicated and that's a very important thing for retailers to fix so that they can go in that right direction mm. but having said all this there is one very important aspect that i do not want to diminish which is a lot of retailers are spending and investing in building customer-facing systems like the website, like the mobile apps, like Alexa skills, like personalization, like trackers, like there are so many things that is on the face of customers. But when that first button is clicked and it when it goes down into the tech stack, into the systems that actually drive this, those are old and clunky systems and data, right? So while there is a lot of investments that we are seeing happening on the front end customer systems, our research so shows that retailers who really think about this from a complete tech stack and data stack perspective and invest in modernizing it fully stand to gain than their peers, right? And this con- this aspect of a tech debt and old clunky systems is really limiting retailers in providing that unified commerce, you know, be it, you know, you know, inventory visibility, be it flexible fulfillment, be it, you know, buy online, pick up in store, anything, all this requires more than a good looking website and a, and a, you know, snazzy looking app, you know, be yep. it the right systems and the right data foundation. So I think those are some of the big themes that come out and, and I'm sure Nikki will have a ton to add here. So let me, let me pass the bat on to her. Yeah, I'll just use kind of an example to bring it to life. So we encounter this a lot. You've got a retailer who was bricks and mortar, decided you know, to join the internet age and opened a website, but they weren't sure how that was going to go. So they set it very far apart from the business, right? It was a startup within the business, have it go for it. So they made yeah. their own tech decisions, right? They decided on their website. They decided on their order management system to connect those orders that customers placed to the inventory in their own warehouse. And then when it clearly was not just a fad and they wanted to bring it back into the business, now you have this whole chunk of the business that's operating on a completely different tech stack. And some of that tech is is not that old, but it was optimized for an e-commerce standalone business. Mm -hmm. And we even find, we find situations where retailers made two different payment decisions. You have a payment vendor that serves your online because you have to do a lot more in fraud. So at the time, it made sense, right? You need you need greater fraud protection online yep. than when it's a person standing in front of you in the store. Well, now you want to do buy online, return in store, 
well, you have two different payment providers. So you can't just do that seamlessly. You you have this payment provider that's running your in-store solution and they don't talk to each other. They don't pass tokens. Like, so then you have to go back and say, okay, so are we going to look for a universal payment provider here? Or how are we going to like bridge these two together? Mm. And that's just one example. Inventory, same issues, even labor, same issues. You know, can I take somebody who's picking and packing in a warehouse for e-com and can I use them? I have to like transfer them across business units, even though they might actually be in the same building in order to leverage (laughs) them to do fulfillment to store. Like all of those kinds of considerations or challenges, that's a lot of, we encounter this stuff all the time. We have, we provide an order management solution that's focused on store fulfillment. And often we're like butting up against, well, your OMS only fulfills from e-com to DC. It doesn't, it doesn't manage, make any decisions about, it doesn't even know that inventory is in the store. So how are you going to, and then you have your store ops fighting with your e-com group over which OMS are we going to use? And that's where this, all these tech stack decisions really come back to haunt retailers because you have these different objectives that each group has to facilitate and meet. And it is that bigger picture, right? It's like, it's easy to say, ah, you guys have to have the bigger picture, but it's like, well, you want me to give up these three things that I need in order for you to use this. And I have to give up these five things that you need. You know, it's like, it's very, it's very tough to navigate. You really do have to have a strong, a strong vision and a strong executive team to really cut through a lot of those conflicts and challenges that happen at that level. Yeah, and particularly when you start to think about some of the examples you mentioned there, you know, payment provider, you know, if you've got a preferential deal that, you know, shaves off a 0.1% for one channel or another, suddenly that's that's worth quite a lot of money, right? And it's it's then difficult to be able to prove the ROI that says let's let's actually sacrifice that and yeah. you say we <laughs> we've got a unified provider. And it's really interesting thinking of that example of the company that could start afresh, right? For a a, a startup, you know, how many retailers would love to throw the legacy systems out and start again? You know, that would be, you know, a a blessing in disguise in many ways. (laughs) Impossible to continue to do that whilst the business trades, unfortunately. Close your doors for three years and then get it all right and then come back and everything will be fabulous. But, you know, given that, how do we how do we get over this? How do we, you know, we've got these challenges of legacy. We've got these challenges of different systems that interact and deliver benefits in different ways across the company. How do we become unified with our back end and our system architecture and our operating model to be able to deliver a truly unified offering to customers that doesn't have all of those friction and hiccup points? That is the question, isn't it, Oliver? <laughs> it, it's, it's, it, it is the question that our clients are asking us too, right? How do we do it? Because tech debt is here to stay. Complex systems are here to stay. Organizational misalignment is here to stay. So like, you know, how are we going to solve it? And I think sometimes complicated scenarios have slightly simpler, you know, way forward. And I think what we have found is having a clear eye for value and using that to drive every aspect of your decision tree is a relatively simpler or a straightforward way to think about it, right? Which is 
at the end of the day what are we all striving for we are all striving to make sure that our customers get the best value and the best experience and if that is going to be your north star if that is going to be your vision and that you have senior level organizational alignment and sponsorship spine to that vision now you use that to drive every single aspect of your decision tree right are we making decisions in our organization that is going to impact customer experience and customer satisfaction let's not make that decision let's make the decision that drives it are we making technology decisions that's impacting it let's not make that technology decision like i think you know at, at bain whenever we have these conversations with the client we always you know start thinking about what are some of the metrics that measure these client outcomes these client satisfaction scores and use that metrics to drive all the results i i i know this is a lot of you know consultant speak so to say but i think it's kind of a simpler framework to have without really complicating because the more complicated we make this the less efficient the process will be so what is the simpler way the simpler way is yep why are we doing this and and that'll that'll drive the efficiency nice yeah i'll just i'll just add briefly i think one piece in that vision that seems to be more anemic or lacking than some of the other places is the store experience. Like when I ask retailers to tell me, what's your strategy for stores, right? It comes, it's like, oh, I want a great experience for my customers. Okay, well, what does that mean? I mean, how are how is the store actually delivering this? And there's not, I just find not enough specificity to their vision when they start talking about it. It's like, oh, I want to do buy online, pick up in store. Oh, you know, I want to, I, I want to have a store associate that's going to interact with every customer. And it's like, yeah, but what value proposition are you trying to execute in your store? And how, like, what role does the store employee play in that? What role does inventory play in that? And mm. it's just sort of a they sort of fall back on, well, stores have always just sold the stuff that's here. And we have to think much more broadly about that. So like, if there was any place in the whole unified commerce realm that I would say, like, I, I wish retailers would double down on a little bit more, it is definitely their vision for the store. And getting really good, clear, tangible understanding of a strategy. How, how, does, this, how does this deliver a, a meaningful proposition that is not a, just a, a seamless, great customer experience or something sort of broad and vague, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, Bala and Nikki, this is such a fascinating topic, and I know we could absolutely continue the conversation on for a huge amount of time, but where can people find out more? Where can people find uh, the report to learn more about unified commerce and get in touch Oliver, the, the report is available right now on Bain.com and Aptos.com. Um, the, the actual link is available below in the notes, but it's available for people to consume, gain from the insights and provide a unified experience for their customers and also drive towards a more unified organization. Absolutely. Well, this has been such a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much to both of you. I encourage people to go and find you on LinkedIn and read the report and engage. And let's, let's start a, a, a unified conversation across the industry about how we can actually really enable this because there's a huge amount of opportunity. But as we've touched on today, lots of, uh, lots of challenges, interesting meaty challenges to, to engage with along the way for sure. 
Most definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Oliver. Nice talking to you. Great questions. Thank you so much. So a fantastic conversation there with Bala Parmasharan and Nikki Baird from Bain and Aptos, respectively. And I do encourage you to head on over to the show notes page at obandco.uk slash 265 and grab a copy of this Bain and Aptos Unified Commerce Report. Some fantastic insight in there. Also on those show notes page, a quick reminder to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing as well as find some additional recommended episodes to check out next. As we mentioned on the show, Unified Commerce and Omnichannel has been around for a long time, and there are loads of other episodes in the podcast archives, which are still highly relevant. I always aim to give you a timeless episode, so you can keep coming back and enjoying those insights far into the future. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I would absolutely love it if you could take a couple of minutes out of your day to either leave a review if you're on Apple Podcasts or why not share the episode over on LinkedIn. Perhaps you could include what your key reflection or takeaway has been from this episode. I'd appreciate that hugely and I thank you for listening. And as always, I look forward to joining you in another episode of The Retail Transformation Show very, very soon. Bye for now.